Hey everybody, it's Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and it is our privilege to have with us Alice Keeler, who's a technologist in education. Great to have you with us, Alice. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this, and I've been following you on Twitter and on YouTube and following your blog and your posts in the Google groups and everything else for quite some time and been following you on LinkedIn. So you're you're in a class as well. You teach a class yeah, every I day, teach, don't you? I teach two classes. So I teach first and second period high school math, and then I teach teachers with the rest of my day. And so I just got back mm -hmm. last night. I'm like, so not smart. I, I drove out from Denver. <laughs> Do you know what happens in Denver in January? It's snowing, like a lot. <laughs> so I got home last night from doing a keynote in Virginia, and I taught this morning. Wow. You're a champion. And I think that's really great for our um, for our teachers that are in our Masters of Education because we have principals, uh, we have educators, we have school directors, we have people that have just started their career, but they've yeah. done degrees and in other industry work. And so now they're in education from around the world, predominantly in Nepal. And these people are, they're on fire. They're hungry to learn. And they're going to be really looking forward to hearing and learning from you on the recording because it's in the middle of the night right now. But they'll be certainly watching the recording. Right. And so I've got some questions because their focus is really around how do we research what's happening, what's innovative right now? How do teachers share what they're doing and how do they get feedback? And I thought I might lead with that question because we've got that difference between scholarly teaching. You're always researching, Alice. I see what you're doing. Your great quote recently was, paperless is not a pedagogy. And I'm sure you get comments and feedback about that. But a scholarship of teaching and learning, you know, putting your ideas out there, getting feedback, refining what you do, what's a good way to do that from your perspective? That's, that's such a good question because, honestly, a lot of teachers don't. It's, it's very intimidating to, to put yourself out there and to feel vulnerable about your lesson plans and, and allowing mm. people to judge you. So. Um, I feel like it's it's a, there's a movement called Come Observe Me. You put a sign on your door and you invite people to come into your classroom to come give you feedback. And a lot of times they'll have a, a QR code or just, just a little pocket of index cards. And what they'll do is that on the please observe me, they'll give them something maybe specific to observe. Like how am I doing on feedback? How am I doing with relationships with my kids? How am I doing on wait time? Wow. You know, whatever your your goal is. And so it's, that's one way to do it in person is to invite, just invite people to, to just come in your door and then they can scan the QR code and fill out a Google form or they can just give you a, a quick note on a, a index card, leave it on your desk. And of course that doesn't really work you know, if you're not in person or someone's at a different school. I am the founder of Coffee EDU. And one of the things that I, the rule is, is it's exactly one hour. That's the only rule, really, because I don't have a rule that says you have to talk about teaching. Because when you get together with teachers, teachers talk about teaching. They just will. And what's really nice is when you have a Coffee EDU is when you invite somebody from a different school. When you have two people from the same school or a group of people from the same school, you're going to complain about, the school lunch and, and anything else, but you add one more person who doesn't understand about the school lunch and you don't talk about those things. You start talking about, oh, I'm trying this in my class. I'm trying this in my class. And so people at your school are a lot of times, they're all getting the same professional development. They're getting the same resources. So really getting outside of your school is so, so important. And I think one of the best things that came out of the pandemic 
our Facebook groups. There are tons of teacher Facebook groups uh, that are happening right now that teachers have joined in mass that you didn't really see before the pandemic. And so if you're using Schoology, if you're using Google Classroom, if you're using Canvas or whatever it is, whatever tools that you're using, there's Facebook groups around those tools, but then also just around different pedagogy concepts. So I am part of a Facebook group with Star Saxton about teachers throwing out the grades. Like, can't we grade better than the way it was in 1800, which was designed to rank and sort kids out of school, which is not why we're here. We believe all kids can learn and all kids can be successful and grades just weren't designed for that. So I'm a member of that group. And then I'm a member of a math matters group and a member, uh, I teach math, I'm a math teacher. So I'm a member of several math groups, um, ones that are fans of Joe Bowler, because no one loves Joe Bowler more than me. She's a math professor out of Stanford. And so really finding those groups that are positive, right? I wanna teach better. I wanna use Google Classroom better. I wanna use, um, just teach math better. And I wanna surround mm -hmm. myself with people who are trying to do different things. So my keynote yesterday in Virginia was on paperless is not a pedagogy, but it was in front of all pre-service teachers. So they are in school to become a teacher, but they have not started their student teaching. And I was asked, um, you know, how do you, what do you do when some of the people at your school are grumpy? Like they don't want to use technology in better ways or they don't want to use technology at all. And it was a technology presentation. And I said, you know, really, you're going to have very small numbers of innovators at your school, just, just statistically speaking. There might just be one person. And so it really is on you to find those groups who don't bring you down. I said, being someone who is innovative is like standing on a table and everyone's trying to pull you down. Like, just do what we're doing, it's fine. The kids don't do any work. My solid rule is if you are complaining about your students, change your lesson plans. So if your teachers at your school are complaining, don't hang out in the teacher's lounge. Find places where people are really enthusiastic to wanna to try and do better. And there's tons and tons of teachers that want to do better. And we're at a uh, unique time where you can find them. I mm. use Twitter, I use Facebook. Um, a lot of people are using TikTok. I'm, I'm trying to convince myself to get into that. That's very brave of you. <laughs> I'm 45. <laughs> I love I'm you good. said that phrase, I'm trying this and finding people that you can say, I'm trying this with. So as you've been talking with teachers and running with this professional development all over the country and your social media presence is really large, when you're sharing, I'm trying this, what are the things that other people are trying? What are the new or developments or refinements in pedagogy and technology you're seeing that teachers are grappling with right now? Yeah, I think the biggest movement is towards student-centered learning. And that's not tool dependent at all. How do I take myself from being the most important thing in the room? And again, one of the things I shared yesterday is on the first day of school, I do not stand in front of my room and tell my students about myself. I have all year for them to get to know me. I want the first day to be about my students and learning about them. How do they have a nice. voice? How do they influence my lesson plans? If my students are into something, how do I allow them 
to bring that into the classroom. And there was another speaker at this event that I was at yesterday and she said, and she's also very much into student-centered classes. It is our obligation to find out what our students are into and allow them to bring that into the classroom. So one of my tricks for that is I give a more open-ended assignment. Like what's my learning objective? It is the Pythagorean theorem. There are five billion ways that you could show me the Pythagorean theorem. Why my way? I have one assignment and I'll give an option, but if you've got something else. So I had a student, she's just really into um, agriculture, um, cattle, cows, um, raising cows, beef. And so she wanted to show me that she could use the Pythagorean theorem for um, building cattle shoots. So uh, a cattle shoot is going to be fencing that the cows are going to go through, um, probably so you can eat them. Uh -huh. <laughs> but she was really passionate about it, and she's putting this whole project together where usually this particular student ditches. She doesn't come to class. And so when we find out what our students are really passionate mm. about and we're open to allowing them to demonstrate their learning in different ways than their neighbor, that's something that I think is becoming very popular. So what are some tips or tricks? You've just mentioned one that teachers really can move that, that make that shift to making students the center. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I use Google Classroom. And so what I'm able to do is I'm able to assign a, an assignment to just one student. So what I'm able to do is I have an assignment and I know this kid's probably not going to be into it and or, and or they just have something else that they really like to do. So I unselect their name so it's not assigned to them. And then I'll assign another assignment only to them to give them an alternative. And so I have one student, she's really into art and drawing. So now she's bringing, she brings, she has a giant laptop. The school gives them Chromebooks, but she's got special software on her computer. So she brings this big laptop and this giant drawing tablet to class so that she can draw art to demonstrate some of the, I'm teaching geometry, so actually that's pretty easy to integrate her passion for art. And then I have another student, she was playing on her phone. It was a game of pool, you know, where you shoot with the balls with a stick, not the swimming pool. And I said, you know, you could code that into Google Slides. We could make this into a game in Google Slides. So I showed her how to code and she has been nonstop working for months on this project, just putting so much passion into it. And there's really a lot of math behind how do you get the balls on the Google slide? And then what angle are you going to hit it with this pool stick? And so she's doing that. And I have another one just decided she's going to do all of her assignments in Minecraft. I'm like, awesome. And you know, that's only three out of the, you know, I have two classes. So out of the two classes, I have three students who really are looking to to do something different, but they're so into it. So the ability, mm -hmm. in, and I don't think it's just Google Classroom, but the ability to assign students to different work really is a game changer. That's one of the ways that technology should make learning better. Not, oh, here's what I'm doing. How do I put it online? I have never, ever stuck a PDF on for my students to fill out. I've never done that. I just it's a paper task. It should be on paper. You know, right. paper tasks are designed for paper. And so if I'm going to use the computer, I want it to enhance the learning, to enhance the feedback, to enhance student voice, to give them more choices and options. So let me give you a tool that you could use if you use alicekeeler.com slash badge game. 
I'm going to put it here in the chat for you. All of my stuff is alicekeeler.com. It's a little tricky to spell my name. It's two E's and one L. But alicekeeler.com slash badge game. Are you able to see that? Yep, I'm going to copy it over right now. Um, it is a spreadsheet because the answer is always a spreadsheet. I got my nice spreadsheet mug. <laughs> no one loves a spreadsheet more than me. But it allows you to make a list of choices, right? You could do it in Minecraft. You could code it in Google Slides. You can draw it using Procreate or whatever drawing tools that you're using. Um, or you can just fill out this worksheet. So I, I always give my students a choice to use quizzes. That's qizizz.com. Uh, a lot of times my students who will do nothing, they will do a quizzes, and then I'm working on trying to inspire them to, to make some other choices. So I give them a variety of entry points to do that. Now let me give you the pedagogy behind quizzes. One time my daughter was doing some work at home, and I said, hey, can I help you with that? And she said, no, I'm good. I'm like, are you sure? Because you're doing it wrong. She's like, no, mom, I just need to get this done so I don't get in trouble tomorrow. That's right. The assignment was not to learn. The assignment was get to the bottom of the page. So when I switched to doing same questions, but I use Q-U-I-Z-I-Z-Z, they're going to retake it until they pass. Now it shuffles, number one, because mm. number five, it shuffles the questions. And if it's multiple choice, it shuffles the ABC. So they still have to know it. If it is low critical thinking, you're going to actually learn it. I'm not going to accept Oh, you got a low score. What do you learn from a low score? Nothing. Do it again, and I'm not going to grade it. I am talking low critical thinking tasks. If it's a low critical thinking task, I have better talents as a teacher than marking things right and wrong. So I want to give mm. my students some higher level tasks that's really intensive on my time, which means I just have to give up grading lower level tasks. But the, but the shift is they will get it right. You will take it and you will retake it. And I'll come and help you. You have a question. And then they will ask a question. I remember I asked my daughter, you want some help with this? No. It didn't matter if she got them wrong. Well, I suddenly made it matter. You better ask for help because you're going to have to retake it because you need to know these. Hmm. I always have a long answer. Tell us, tell us about um, Minecraft and why you think it's great and why should teachers do it? I love Minecraft. You know, when you go talk, especially to younger kids, you'll be like mobbed. I was, I was working for Minecraft. They actually hired me to make this guide that you're showing here. And so I went to go interview some elementary students. And when I, they knew that I was coming to talk about Minecraft, I couldn't even get in the door. They had their little tablets and they had built um, a history lesson. So they had to build the buildings for this scene in history. And they were just so enthusiastic to show it to me. And one, one little young man, he built his whole thing on top of a bed of TNT so that after he showed it to me, he could blow it up. And he was just so pleased. It's that creativity. It's, it's the ability to be able to make decisions. So let's step away from Minecraft. You don't have Minecraft? Use Google Slides. Google Slides just feels like you're allowed to change the font, that you can add a picture, that you can be more creative. Just in what ways can I help my students to make a decision and they're not doing the same thing as their neighbor? And that's one of the things that's great about Minecraft. Also, you could be blown up by a creeper. And that happened to me this morning. I was playing Minecraft and my house got blown up. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yes, I'm a big proponent of that. It's actually very cheap. It's not free. I'm actually 
anti-free just in the sense that anything that's free you don't know that it's going to be around for very long so you right. put all of this energy and effort into using this free tool well somebody has to maintain it and they are either doing it out of kindness or they're trying to freemium put it over somewhere else but they have to put money mm. in behind it and then they mm. just continue it so if you want high quality resources you want high quality engineers making good stuff I'm very mm. adamant that the school should budget, not the teacher should pay for. The school should budget. And in 2022, any school that's not budgeting several hundred dollars per teacher for the tools they will use, shame on them. I just want to pick up on that. I think that um, for our students that are watching this video and they're thinking about their topics for their research, maybe the impact of freemium education tools on teachers and students it might be an interesting research topic the impact of freemium topic uh, in the yeah. company i work for i work for this company schoolytics um so i code i code free things and i all the time get people email me with hey alice this is cool but i want it to do this or alice it's not working like right i'm doing other stuff i just cannot provide tech support on a free tool so my company, yeah. the Schoolytics, they code Google Classroom. So I'm taking the things I've already coded and I'm adding it to their platform because it's going to be easier to distribute. Like more teachers will have access. So that's mm -hmm. really great. So it's free for teachers, so freemium. Um, but the it's not going to stick around if we can't get administrators to see the value in it and want to mm -hmm. pay for the administrative tools. Um, you asked me a question. What's the value of freemium? There are a lot of free tools, but the problem with free is they oftentimes don't come with data, right? You got to pay for the right. data. And well, free is a tax on teacher time. If you have to spend all mm. this time manually recording, if students have completed something or like in quizzes, quizzes is freemium. I can use it for free, give them a quiz, but the deadline, it ends in two weeks, which means I have to take my time to go back in and keep changing the deadline. Mm to allow students to keep working on it. It's mm. six the school should pay for that, you know? Free up the teacher time so I can spend my time working with students, not working with paperwork. Because things are always changing and we don't want to increase the attacks on teacher time, yeah. um, what are some skills, some integrations, some technologies that teachers right now need to be aware of to prepare themselves for what's coming? Gosh, that's such a big question. I thought you were going to narrow it down to feedback. <laughs> okay, I'm going to answer my own question then. Uh, let me give you a tip that you can use with Google Slides. Instead of giving right. every student their own Google Slides, that's a tax on your time. you got to open all of those. Okay, and you open all of them. You open every kid's Google Doc. You open every kid's mm. Google Slides, and you make feedback comments on it. You know what? They don't read it. Well, you just wasted your time. If they don't read your feedback, you wasted your time. So how about instead we do feedback together? So I make one Google Slides, I make one Google Slides, and then each kid does their work on a slide, and each slide's like a blank piece of paper. And I have a couple of things I've coded to assist this, but then what I wanna do is I just wanna click present, and we do feedback together. I don't go home and do feedback by myself. We do feedback together. We talk about it, we wanna get the students doing the talking be it with a technology tool or not. What happens when technology isn't working all the time? That's 
almost guaranteed. You know what we do? We circle up in a circle and we talk about a topic. Look at John Hattie's research. Class discussion is really highly rated for learning. So let's discuss everything. Mm -hmm. The person doing the talking is the person doing the learning. So the students contribute to a Google Slides and then I just hit slideshow and then I ask the students, what do you think about this? My husband has a great line. He's an English teacher. He says, even JK Rowling has an editor. What does that mean? It doesn't matter how awesome you are. You could always be, and this is not a real word, awesomer, right? We can, we, we help each other get better. Of course they could get better. Mm. Even JK Rowling has an editor. So we look at this and say, okay, well, we're a community of learners who help each other get better. What's good about this? What could be improved? And we go through student work together and we give feedback together. Now they all heard it, they all saw it. I don't waste my time and more students learn when we do that. So I have a couple of tools, if you don't mind that I share, that I made. Mm. If you'll actually search for Schoolytics, it's spelled the word school and then Y-T-I-C-S. Um, it's analytics and school put together. So when you go into Google Slides and you go into the add-ons menu, search for Schoolytics. I coded all of those. So that's part of what I do with my part-time job is I code free things, but I get paid. Uh, so what it, one of them is going to do is it's going to randomize your slides. So when the students uh, put their work on a slide, I want to randomize it so that when I click slideshow, it's who's going to go first. It's like popsicle sticks, right? Who's going to share the work? I might only be able to do two or three student samples. I can't do everybody's. So that'll allow me to randomize the slides. So it's called randomized slides by Schoolytics. And the other one I have is called Roster Extras by Schoolytics. Again, I coded them. And so what Roster Extras is going to do, it's going to take your roster, you put it in column B, or you can export your roster from Schoolytics. Um, it's going to, you put your roster in column B. Yes, thank you. And um, you go to the extensions menu. Again, you can just search for the add-ons. Just type in Schoolytics. It's going to come up. And it'll allow you to assign a slide per student. So it will create a Google Slides. It will then take each of the students' names and share them on the slides. And put their name on a slide. So each student has an assigned slide. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> that's not the same, but it's the same. This one, Doc Slides by Schoolytics, what that's going to do is Take anything that's in your Google Doc, each paragraph becomes its own slide. So now if you put student names in the Google Doc, and then there's an option to do roster to slides in Doc to slides, it will assign them each a slide. If you do it from a spreadsheet, you're going to use roster extras to do the same thing. Yeah, I made that too. Do you ever sleep, Alice? I get asked that all the time. <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. Look, Alice, I really appreciate your time. Just to wrap up, just to wrap up, I think this, this concept of feedback that you mentioned, that's really powerful. I think more and more as we move forward, there's so much competition for teacher time, and you say um, the tax on teacher time, and I think that tax is increasing every single day as there are additional requirements, uh, requirements you know, with um, the pressures with dealing with COVID and living with COVID, changes in curriculum, increases in technology. How are you finding that? Really quick. Yep. 
it's okay to say no. People, they can't make you want to quit. You know, it's it's nice to say it's for the mm. kids, but if you want to quit and it's stressing you out, that doesn't do any good for anybody. What is reasonable, do what you know is good for kids, that is reasonable, and it's okay to say no. Okay, well, that's great. So it's okay to say no is strategy number one, because I was actually going to ask, how can teachers cope with this increase, particularly with living with COVID now? How are you finding that teachers are managing that challenge of the tax on their time, as well as saying no? I know a lot of teachers who are just crying every day. And I, every single day, I have a premium membership, alicekill.com slash membership, and people sign in, they tell me how things are going, and just breaks my heart how many, they care and they love their students so much, but it's too much. And so I try to find ways to like, use more quizzes. It's okay. You know, quizzes is fun and it's better for learning because they're going to take it till they pass. And then I have data so I know how, which students I need to work with so I can target my time a little bit better. We're going to do feedback together instead of me going home and doing feedback by myself. So that's going to save me time. And then sometimes they'll tell me my school's making me do X, Y, Z. And I say, just say no. How nice for them to mandate for you something they're not willing to do. Do what's good for kids. Give good feedback and take care of yourself because no one else is going to take care of you. This is very true. Alice, what's the best way? I've put up um, your website. I haven't shown your Twitter yet, but what's the best way for people to follow what you do? Is it your blog and your I website? Would, yes, my blog, alicekeeler.com. But if they'll do alicekeeler.com slash newsletter, I send out a free newsletter every week. And, I, and you can keep up with, here's all the things that I, projects I've been doing, um, the free webinars that I have going on. And I put a list of all my blog posts every week. Um, so hopefully that would be the best way to to find out what I got going on. Fantastic. I'm going to make sure that I add that to the show notes. Yeah. Alice, really, thank you so much for your time, our educators, particularly in Nepal. Um, yeah. We'll really thank you for what you've shared. I followed you for many years. I follow all your work that you do. I get lots of tips and tricks that I use in a range of different courses. So thank you. What you're doing is really making a difference. Oh, thanks. And so for those of you uh, that have your bachelor degree, particularly in the developing nations that we work with, we've now got programs in Nepal and Indonesia and Cambodia. If you've got your bachelor degree and you've moved into education and you want to refine what you're learning, you want to go deeper, you want to increase your scholarship, reach out to us. We have our master's degree. We deliver it online and it's internationally recognized as well. We look forward to serving you. And again, do reach out to Alice, join, get her newsletter take hold of the resources she's created. It's phenomenal. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again.